You're listening to the Just Means Less ACC podcast with your hosts, Micah from Fifth Quarter and Dan from ACC Content. Dan, we just finished talking about what was really the worst slate in ACC football history, at least as far as I can remember. It was awful, which is a good thing because now we're going to talk some basketball. I know, Dan, you're a big basketball guy. I'm not at the level of you. I think we kind of flipped the script when it comes in. It's a good balance for us. I love football a lot more than you do when it comes to, you know, knowing Abilene Christian starting quarterbacks. But then on the flip side, when it comes to basketball, you can probably tell me who's the starting guards at Seton Hall over in the Big East there, where I couldn't tell you anything about them besides their mascots, the Pirates. So it's going to be a great transition for us here. I'm excited to talk some basketball. Basketball starts this week. Doesn't feel like it, Dan. It feels like we're just stuck in this giant endless cycle. Can't wait for this. Obviously, we're going to have some of the headaches we have here in football with cancellations, especially early with the non-conference. Seeing some of these preseason bubbles is going to be a lot of fun. Um, Dan, you're going to lead this one because, again, you are the basketball guru. I am more of just an active fan that has his thoughts. So listen to Dan before you listen to me, guys. Dan knows a little bit more about this. But, Dan, let's just kind of jump right in. Let's talk some ACC basketball. I believe we're going to do our power rankings combined here, working our way from 15 to 1, give you our first team all ACC selections and a couple other accolades like we did for football. But, Dan, your time. Basketball is back here in the ACC. Yes, sir. Um, I'm starting to get very excited. We are starting – as we record this episode, we have, what, three more days? Yep, because Sunday to Wednesday, that's three days. Um, I think the conference is obviously going to be better than last year. Definitely. Last year, we probably would have gotten four tournament teams. This year, I think we'll get six to seven. It won't be one of those premier ACC um, like slate of teams where we get nine tournament teams like we did a couple years ago but um, and three one seeds. but definitely a much improved ACC. I think the back end is much better than it's been in the past. And um, yeah, I, let's, let's get to that back end. We'll start with our power rankings. We'll start with what we had as a tie for 14th and we'll go with our first team, which is Wake Forest, which I had at 15 and you had at 14. So neither of us obviously high on them, but I mean, I think they are honestly a step below the entire rest of the conference. I really like what Steve Forbes is doing with that program, but they just simply don't have the talent that, um, you know, most, or at least, yeah, pretty much all the other ACC teams have. They're not there yet. Um, I think once he brings in some freshman recruiting classes and develops them, they'll be in a better spot, but yeah. You said this pre-pod, perfect comparison for them in football is Georgia Tech with Jeff Collins, fantastic coach, right direction, not there yet. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I'm the first one to willing to admit I have donated to Wake Forest basketball. I'm very excited about the Steve Forbes era. I have participated in their virtual sellout, so I have bought four season tickets for basketball for this year, which really doesn't mean much because obviously I will not be in attendance for any of these games, but um, I'm very excited about the future of Wake Forest basketball. I think you mentioned, I did say that I do think he's very similar to Jeff Collins on the football front for Georgia Tech, a guy that can, you know, really change the persona. I mean, Wake Forest never been a big basketball program. They've obviously been in the shadows of their, you know, fellow North Carolina rivals of UNC Duke and really even NC State because NC State has a national title. 
But they have those glory years. I mean, Tim Duncan, Chris Paul, they've got some guys, Muggsy Bogues. I mean, they've had some players come through there. So definitely not a team that you really want to sleep on if you're, you know, someone of the calibers in the top or half, half of the conference. But, I mean, let's just be honest, and they lost a lot, and between Childress finishing up his career and now playing professional overseas, transfers over between Kansas and just elsewhere. I mean, there were guys that just left to leave. I mean, it's one of those things where, unfortunately, the, pre- the progress, I mean, the recruiting on the on the flip side has been fantastic. I do think he's brought in some young, good transfers, but it's just not there yet, and you mix it with the pandemic and the lack of practices and just overall – sense of normalcy and consistency that these programs normally would get when you have a new coach he's doing the right things this team is going to be dangerous to catch somebody I, I won't be shocked Dan if Wake Forest I think mean, we can say about any team in the conference really but I wouldn't be shocked if Wake Forest catches somebody but yeah this team is talent wise probably the least talented team in the ACC yeah I agree I mean they do bring in you mentioned the transfers they have the Houston Baptist transfer Ian Dubow um and Davian Williamson, where Steve Forbes brought over from East Tennessee State, his previous coaching um, gig, where he did very well with them. So, um, yeah, that, that's all we got for Wake. Um, 14 and another tie, which I had personally 14, you had 15, and that is the Boston College Eagles. Um, I think they have a lot of talent, to be honest. I think they might be – much higher in terms of pure talent, especially on the offensive end. I mean, they have fantastic backcourt, Winston Tabs and Jay Heath. Stefan Mitchell, I am a big fan of him. Um, they have I'm, – I'm not sure about their point guard situation. I mean, for whatever reason, the analytics sites are super high on Rich Kelly, the transfer from um, Quinnipiac. He is a point guard, but – um, I think the problems with Boston College and the reason they're this low is because, A, I mean, their defense is never good. They can't make stops. And, B, I mean, their coaching, lack of in-game adjustments and whatnot just fails to be able to win games despite the talent they have. So that's why I think overall it's going to play out. They're going to finish towards the bottom of the conference. Yeah, see, I have Boston College um, last in my preseason rankings. Mentioned it, the coaching. I do think Wake Forest has the better coach currently. Um, no offense to good old, I believe, you know, Jim Christian, but on the same front, Boston College, you mentioned their defense has always been a struggle of theirs, but their offense was terrible last year, Dan. If I, if I remember correctly, they were near the bottom in every statistical category offensively. I mean, this is a team that, you know, if, if you're going to be bad, at least be bad, really, really bad at one thing and somewhat good at the other. Boston College, I don't think it's really good at anything. I mean, I think they're very, very, very below average on a lot of things. You mentioned it, though. I do think they have some talented pieces around them. I do like Stephen Mitchell as well. He's an incredible piece for the Eagles there. But I just don't I just don't like it. I don't, I don't like what they got going on. You mentioned the backcourt. I do think Winston Tabs is someone to kind of keep an eye on if he can kind of increase his offensive production this season and kind of have a little bit more of a consistency in terms of shooting percentage. This is a team that obviously like I said could catch probably anybody in the ACC, but more times than not, they're not going to win a game against, you know, a higher level team. And I think if they matched up against Wake Forest and normal circumstances happen, I do think Wake Forest wins that game. But again, it's 2020, who knows? This is a Boston college team that 
I'm I'm probably the least excited about. That's probably also why I have them at 15. At least with Wake Forest, they're not a very good team talent wise, like individual pieces. But they have a coach that gets me excited. Jim Christian does not get me excited, so maybe that's part of the, the reason I have them at 15. Yeah, and I think Boston College will be very similar to last year, where they just they have a couple of nice upset wins, but and that, that's what they've done in the past. I mean, I remember two years ago with that Duke victory. Um, with that, that I think it was that. No, it wasn't the Zion team. It was the team. It was the year before that, but still. Um, and then, you know, they're going to have some bad losses in addition to that. There's not that many out of conference games, but I wouldn't be surprised if they drop one early that they really shouldn't against the mid major. Um, all right, so we have a two way tie for twelfth as well. Um, so the first team we're going to talk about is Pitt, where we both had them twelve actually. Uh, I, I mean, I was on the ACC network media zoom call and they were pretty high on, I mean, they weren't particularly high, I should say, but they thought that Pitt could be a dark horse team, a sleeper team. And Xavier Johnson, especially is a piece that really struggled last year, had a fantastic freshman year and is somebody that is super talented and will probably be a big factor for how this season goes for Pitt. Um, Justin Champagny is their best player, their small forward. And they, I mean, they do bring in a couple of transfers. Ethel Horton is going to be a pretty critical piece. Uh, Nike Sabande, I'm not sure if I pronounced that right, but he, he's like that Ronnie Walker situation at Virginia. He might get a midseason waiver, but he hasn't gotten cleared yet and the season starting in a couple of days. So I don't think he will be suiting up for the first game of the season. And he would, would be a big piece, but I mean, I still like the direction Capel has this program going. John Hughley, uh, the true freshman, I think he could play a big role as the, the big man and probably the first true center that they've had the most talented at least, but I still I don't know if they could put their pieces together. It's more the reason I have them 12 and not higher is just an attestment to the rest of the ACC and how deep they are. That That's really all I'll say. Yeah, this is one of those teams, you know, I am a big fan of Jeff Capel. I think that was a fantastic hire. You grab Coach K's right-hand man. I mean, that's definitely not a, a bad decision there. Um, I had paid at 12, as so obviously a little bit higher than where we have them. I think the reason why, you know, I have Pitt there is just, I think, mainly because you mentioned it, you know, this is a team that that has some talent there. I, I think Xavier Johnson, not trying to spoil my first team all ACC, but I will say he got consideration for sure um, for that first team all ACC spot. And obviously losing Trey McGowan is going to be huge. Um, that that does hurt this Pitt momentum. Watching Pitt in the ACC championship or ACC tournament, excuse me, um, before everything shut down, where they played Wake Forest and basically just I wouldn't say owned Wake Forest, but I mean they played a very good game. It got me very excited for the future of Pitt basketball. Obviously, they went on to lose the next day, but this is a team that again. Showed some signs of life. It showed that with Jeff Capel, he can get these guys going. He's still got a lot of recruiting to kind of figure out. I would love to see, you know, the zoo over there at Pitt getting, you know, rowdy like it used to back in the Big East days when West Virginia and Pitt were top 25 teams in basketball too. But yeah, this is a team that's got a long way to go, but I think they have 
I won't spoil who my, who my 13 was. We haven't talked about them yet. We'll get there at some point, but I think they're better than my 13 only because they have the best individual player. And I do think they have the better coach as well. So that's kind of where my head's at with Pitt. Yeah. So we actually had Pitt and the team, I believe you're alluding to Virginia tech tied at 12. So we both had Pitt 12, but um, in our committee rankings, Virginia tech came in tied for 12, where I personally had them 11 and you personally had them 13. So we'll talk about Virginia tech next. I mean, I think they have a phenomenal backcourt. Uh, I like the Mike Young system. It's pretty fun to watch, you know, the run and shoot kind of thing. Um, I mean, I'm really high on their transfer, Cartier Diara from Kansas State. I'm not sure exactly how he'll be utilized, but he is definitely a great playmaker. He could score. I think he'll be the most important piece of this team. I also love Tyrese Radford, the shooting guard who's – not a great perimeter shooter, but he is a phenomenal scorer. They could drive to the rim. And then there's Wabisa Beattie as well, who is pretty undersized. And he might get playing time a little bit limited due to Diara's entrance. But, I mean, Beattie is a phenomenal defender. So there's that. And I worry a little bit about Virginia Tech's interior. They did bring in a couple of uh, transfers most notably Justin Mutz from Delaware, who will now be in his third different team in four years. Uh, they also brought in um, Keeve Aluma from Wofford, who I watched a little bit of last year. He was a pretty good piece for Wofford. But, um, yeah, I, I still i am not sure that their interior lines up to the rest of the conference. And, um, I mean – Regardless, I think whoever they put on the court, they're going to be pretty undersized, which I think is going to be the main thing that holds Virginia Tech back this year. Yeah, I think the loss of Landers Nolly is probably the biggest thing of why I have them at 13. I know that's down the stretch, especially for Virginia Tech. He was almost maybe more of a liability than he was an actual product production piece. But um, I, I, I find it funny. Obviously we talked football. I don't want to relate too much back to football, but Landers knowledge feels just like Justin Fuente. You know, everything was so hype with him early in this year, obviously early in the tenure of Justin Fuente. And now the script flipped late in the year, obviously losing him. That's a key piece, but I don't know if it's a, as big of a, of a disappointment or loss as I'm kind of taking it. I do like, uh, you know, what Bussa Babidi, I can never say his name, right? I'm sorry, Virginia tech fans, please don't come after me. I'm just not good at saying his name, but yeah, this is a team I, th- I do think that, you know, Mike Young is doing great things at Virginia Tech. He's going to help turn this program around. I, I worry about some of those pieces you mentioned that transferred in. Not a big fan of teams that are relying on transfers this season. Uh, with everything going on with COVID, again, maybe call me factoring COVID too much when it comes to buyouts in football, or in this case, you know, time to prepare in basketball. But this is a Virginia Tech team. I will say I have them at 13th, but – comparatively to maybe Pitt or, you know, NC State, who we might talk about later, or Notre Dame. I think Virginia Tech might get the bigger upset of the year. I think this is a team that if they're clicking on all cylinders and playing at their highest level, they could be uh, near that middle of the pack, you know, top seven to eight in the ACC if things click their way. The issue is I just don't know if it's there. And if it does, it might show up late in the year when they're already too far behind. Yeah. 
Yeah, I agree. I, I don't think they're a tournament team, but I do think the way their team is designed, especially around their backcourt, around their shooters, um, playmakers, I mean, they they're definitely have the ability to pull off an upset or two. Um, so 11 was Clemson in our committee rankings. You had them 10, but I had them all the way down at 13. So obviously the return of Amir Sims, some thought he might go to the draft. He ended up coming back. That is going to be critical. I think he is one of the better players in the conference for sure, but I'm not sure who they have around him. And um, I do think John Newman, the lengthy shooting guard is a good piece. Um, or I think he's more of like a wing guard, but whatever you want to call him, he's a good piece. Um, they, I like some of their um, other options. Like I'm a big fan of Hunter Tyson. I'm not sure how much playing time he'll get, but I definitely like him. But I, I worry about their depth. I really worry about who they have around Amir Sims. And, you know, we, we saw this early with – like let's, let's take a team like Virginia last year. We saw them early on um, last year where Mamni Dikite was basically the only player that could produce offense. And when he was being triple teamed, there was just absolutely nothing they could get going because they'd set up open shots – and they just miss them. I don't think that's going to be the case with Clemson. I think they'll they'll be a better team at knocking down shots than Virginia was last year. But I worry about you know their production um, on the sorry on the um, offensive end. And I think they'll be able to make some stops on defense. But I I don't think that they have quite the depth or really the pieces around Amir Sims that they need to have in this conference. Yeah. I mean, maybe it's just my belief in Brad Bronwell. I know I, I, I hate to be the guy that goes, well, you're a football school, but he has made Clemson somewhat, you know, relevant for basketball considering how their money goes. I mean, I honestly, if you think Clemson, you pick their top three sports, I don't think basketball is in the top three. So that's one of those things where, Maybe that's a little bit of bias towards Clemson. I don't know. I do think that Alamir Days Dawes, I can never, you know, get figure out which one it is. I need to watch more film and hopefully figure out exactly how to pronounce that last name. I think he can involve. He's a sophomore. Uh, Clemson's biggest issue last year was shooting threes. And if they can kind of improve on that, but you're considering that almost 50% of their shots came from behind the arc last year, then this is a team that can take a huge step forward. I definitely agree. I, I, maybe it's one of those things where I'm I'm taking Clemson to improve from last season. Where honestly, I shouldn't be assuming that. So your 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 uh, place for them kind of makes sense because that's one of those things where that's a if they improve, I'd think that they do. I'm maybe buying too much stock in this Clemson team, but I do think a team that wasn't very good from three. I would think if there's one thing teams could improve on this offseason, kind of like with football where film like quarterbacks film study was going to be huge for them because they had so much free time on their hands. I'm hoping that on Clemson's front guys spent a lot of time in the gym, throwing up threes and actually learning how to knock them down and improving their shot. So maybe that's where my bias is kind of lying, but uh, honestly, Clemson, if this was like fantasy football would be that team that would have a higher bust than boom number. 
So I can completely understand why you have them at 13. I just, I guess I'm just leaning a little bit higher on the, on the Tigers here. That's fair. Um, yeah, they, they definitely have some of the, like they have talent and like, yeah, I, I, I could definitely get behind what you're saying and they're, they definitely have a higher um, ceiling than some of the other teams we've been mentioning, but number 10 and I'm pretty high on this team. Not sure that they're tournament worthy yet, but they definitely have some solid pieces, especially in their backcourt. And that is the Notre Dame fighting Irish. Um, I had them personally 10 as well. You had them 11 and I, I really like Prentice hub and Dane Goodwin in their um, backcourt, the two guards, they are definitely one of the better duos in the ACC. I mean, the ACC is definitely has a ton of good guard duos, which we'll, and we already talked about Virginia Tech, we'll get to with some other teams in a little bit. But um, yeah, I, I'm, I, I think this is just like a pretty mediocre power conference team. I mean, they're not overwhelming. Uh, um, also, add in Nate Lashevsky. I don't know if they're going to have that um, that big man, that true center, or like even power forward piece. Like Nate Lashevsky is good, but is he at the level of Bonzi Colson or more recently John Mooney? I am not sure about that. I mean, John Mooney averaged a double double per game. Losing him is going to be very critical. But I think this Notre Dame team is I think they could sneak in and be a bubble team. I don't think they will, but I definitely think they do have the potential for that to happen. Yeah. I think that my, again, my Notre Dame at 11 is just the loss of John Mooney. Um, I do think that Nate Lozeski or however you say that, you know, you said it better than I can. My words are just hard today, I guess, you know, he has the ability to kind of increase his, his production, obviously now that Mooney is gone, but I don't know if he can replace that production that Mooney had, but, I've learned one thing about Notre Dame. Mike Bray does does a, does a good job of doing with what he has. I don't know if his recruiting has been the best, but he knows how to at least develop some talent. So this Notre Dame team, again, I mean, we're talking about my 11th, your 10th in the power rings, obviously 10th combined for us here. But this is a team that you mentioned it. I don't know if I'd put them in the tournament, but I'd put them on that bubble spot right now. Maybe like, la- uh, you know, first four out kind of spot kind of where I'm kind of thinking for Notre Dame they could easily sneak into the tournament so it'll be interesting to say the least what 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 we get from this Irish team yeah actually they haven't been recruiting very well but they did get a four-star guard who I really like recently Blake Wesley um to commit so that's something to keep an eye on in the future obviously he won't be there this year so I'm not going to harp on him but yeah let's move on to what we both had as number nine and that is NC State um, I mean, another one of those teams that I think they're kind of just in the middle. They could potentially be a bubble team. Um, I think they're more likely to than Notre Dame, which is obviously why I have them higher. Um, I mean, they got some good pieces. DJ Funderburk is phenomenal. I think he'll be one of the best players in the conference this year. Devin Daniels is a pretty good guard as well. Um, around, aside from that, I mean, I'm not sure who the pieces that are that will step up. Um, 
I know they do have some talent. Sam Hayes, the true freshman shooting guard, is great, and I think he might be able to find his way into a starting lineup. Um, Thomas Allen, the transfer from Nebraska, he was pretty good in the Big Ten. So they they have definitely um, some pieces around. I think DJ Funderburk is where this team really lives and dies. But um, yeah, that, that's kind of what I'm thinking of NC State. I don't have too much to say on them besides the fact that they're just a solid mid-tier um, to above average team and they could be an intriguing bubble team. Yep. I think you hit the nail on the head and this is a team that is just, I mean, it's a team that can go out there. And it's good. No, this is not an easy win for anybody in my opinion, but it's also not a team that, you know, I'm overly excited about. I think they're very, I mean, like you said, a very, you know, very good bubble team. That's a good spot for them. I wouldn't be shocked if throughout the whole year, you know, they're maybe in, then last four out, then in, then last four out, then, you know, uh, playing team, you know, kind of thing. So this is one of those, one of those teams where, you know, if they can come out, you know, Devin Daniels, Braxton Beverly, they can come out and kind of, you know, use that leadership that they have that, that, that experience. This could benefit this team, but they really are a mystery because you just don't know. And, you know, you got to love Kevin Keats. He's, he's probably the, I don't know who to relate him to in football. I mean, he might be honest with the Dave Doran of football. You know, everyone wants him gone the next minute. He, he's like, oh, well, let's keep him around a little bit longer. So it'll be interesting to see what we get from this Wolfpack team. Yep. Um, number seven, or actually this was a tie for seven. Uh, we'll, we'll go with Georgia Tech first. So I had them eight, you had them seven. This is a very um, high ceiling, low floor team, in my opinion. And that is because they are going to live and die with this backcourt, which is honestly – I talked about the duos in the, the point guard shooting guard duos in the ACC. There are several of them that are going to be very talented. And Georgia Tech has one of the best in Jose Alvarado and Michael DeVoe. Um, Michael DeVoe, especially, I think he'll, I think he could eclipse 15 points per game this year. Jose Alvarado as well. Um, and then there's the X factor Moses Wright, but Aside from Moses Wright, the center, but aside from those three pieces, I'm not sure where their depth comes from. And, um, I mean, Bubba Parham from – he transferred in from VMI a couple years ago. I mean, you got to love those uh, sub-six feet guards who, you know, will be able to produce. But I'm not sure – who they have around them. And if an injury happens to this team, then they could be screwed. But if they are able to stay healthy, then this is pretty dangerous team, in my opinion. Yep. Absolutely. Um, The biggest thing, Dan, I don't know if you, I I love to look at like random stats and tidbits you can find on these teams. That's kind of my way of following basketball, I guess. But did you realize that Georgia tech last year ranked 345th in the country in turnovers? They were awful. They turned the ball over way too much. If they even improved that just, you know, up to the top 100 to 150, we're talking about a team that, you know, might win three, four more games. Sounds like they're football. So, yeah, right? Yeah, Georgia Tech has got great coaches in both basketball and football, but they have uh, shot themselves in the foot with turnovers in both sports early in those coaches' tenures. But, 
Yeah, this is a team that I, I do think honestly makes the NCAA tournament. Um, I wish I would have gotten a chance to kind of see what obviously we lost the AC tournament kind of early there, but I would have loved to have seen Georgia Tech play on that day two. Um, obviously, they were not eligible for the postseason last year, and they honestly got very lucky with that, considering that the the post the you know the tournament was canceled. That because they still actively chose to opt out of the tournament, and because the AC tournament did start, they technically were then they accepted their band of a postseason tournament that they're now going to be eligible this year, which is going to be great for this team. I do think this team does sneak into the NCAA tournament, but yeah, this is a team that I know has a lot of, a lot of upside. I, I agree. I, I loved your take of high ceiling, low floor. Yep. And then the other team we had tied for seventh was Miami where I had them seventh and you had them eighth. And I mean, we talked about this one. They're going to live and die by Chris likes. And I, I'm a big fan of Chris likes um, the point guard. Basically, I mean, Kihei Clark might be well-known, but Chris likes his Kihei Hart Clark on steroids. And I mean that ironically because it's basically the opposite. He is 5'7", um, but he, I mean, the crafty plays that he makes, he's just so fun to watch. I mean, the ways he could score, he's a great shooter. The ways he could create space for, for himself and, you know, score against guys that are over a foot taller than him I mean he was driving past Jay Huff last year Jay Huff is 7-1 Chris likes his 5-7 so it's great to see um and then obviously they Miami has a seven footer of their own in Rodney Miller who I think he'll make the starting lineup I'm not sure but I mean other pieces they have Cameron McGusty um they also have Isaiah Wong the guard so you know they they have a they have a good backcourt. Um, they they remind me a little bit of that team in um, Virginia Tech, where I'm not sure about their interior presence. They do have bodies on their roster, but do they have enough talent there? I'm not sure, but they're they're definitely an intriguing team, and I think Miami with Chris Likes, as long as he is healthy, will should be a tournament team and will be you know a, a a pretty good seventh team in the conference or eighth in, in your case. Yeah. This is a team that honestly, I, 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 for a while there, I almost had them in the top six, um, even in that seven spot there. But I did have a little bit of concern. Again, we, we said it, they, they live and die off Chris likes. I do like Chris likes in a year like 2020, I get a little bit concerned. Just, you know, if, if Miami, if Chris Likes gets COVID, and God forbid, I hope I hope that never happens to anyone on the team, but obviously would not want that to happen to Chris Likes. Um, you know, we're talking about a team now that's going to have to rely on Cameron McGusty that pretty much, you know, carry this team, if not maybe Sam Wardenberger, Berg, excuse me, not Berger, excuse my, excuse my mispronunciation there. But this is one of those things, again, where I'm just a little bit concerned about Miami having to live and die off Chris Likes, you know, but he is, and we're going to get to our all ACC projections uh, later in the podcast, but I can tell you right now, he will be making an appearance on my first team list. So he is that good. He is good enough to honestly carry Miami and he's got a good enough supporting cast to carry this Miami team uh, to the NCAA tournament. But I just have so many question marks. And again, I, I do get worried about, especially in basketball. It's my biggest concern with all this COVID stuff is if a player has to quarantine for two, three weeks, we're talking about five, six games for Miami. And that could be the difference between an NCAA tournament spot and the NIT or nothing. 
Yeah, and this team, I just want to mention this before we get farther on. Like, this year is going to be really weird with the very few out-of-conference games. Um, I mean, the ACC Big Ten Challenge is going to be critical. There's going to be very few data points, and the Big Ten is potentially the best conference in college basketball this year. I, I'm not afraid to say that I think the Big Ten is better than the ACC this year. And I think the ACC really needs to win those games in order to basically get tournament teams. I mean, it'll be a very small amount of data points that will determine how many teams get in the tournament this year. And that is going to be critical for especially teams like Miami or teams like Georgia Tech. I mean, they're going to be having to watch this ACC Big Ten Challenge, the teams that are not them and really hard for ACC teams. It's just that's how it's going to work this year. So anyway, we could proceed with our power rankings and – um. We both had, I think we, yeah, we have the entire one through six the same. So we have a lot of agreement here. Um, number six, Syracuse. They're going to be a very good shooting team. Um, this is definitely one of the better Syracuse teams over the last couple of years, although they've been very consistent. Um, obviously not as good as some of the past Syracuse teams, but they're definitely a consistent presence in this conference. Um, Buddy Bayheim, I mean, Joseph Girard, I think those two pieces will be great. Murray Dolajai in the um, interior, he can definitely make plays. Barama Sidibe, I mean, I know Syracuse fans have mixed feelings about him, but I'm a pretty big fan of him, and I love Quincy Garrier. I mean, they have so much depth, too. Alan Griffin, I, I could just... I'm going down their roster, and I, I'm just so intrigued by them. Alan Griffin, of course, the transfer from Illinois. And then, of course, they bring in some true freshmen like Kadari Richmond. So just a lot of depth on the Syracuse team. I think they do have potential to be passed. I mean, I won't mention our fifth team yet, but it's uh, basically – yeah, I'll, I'll just say who they are. They're Louisville with – with um, you know, with the, all their injuries, I think Syracuse could be above them, but um, I I do think they they just don't have a, as much pure talent as and like that superstar player that some of these other teams will have. That's all. Yep, I agree. I think the other concern here, and we'll see if Jim Beheim kind of adjusts here, but Jim Beheim's a big fan of of not having a very deep bench. He likes to kind of stick with, you know, his top seven, maybe eight guys, and that's it. And that's who plays throughout the entire evening. He's got seven freshmen on the roster, so that's something to kind of keep an eye on. But I think you hit the nail on the head there with Syracuse. I mean, we'll see how they they adjust to life without Elijah Hughes, but who left, obviously, for a pro career. But, yeah, I mean, this is a Syracuse team that, again, should make the NCAA tournament and could do some damage. They, they kind of remind me of that 11 seed that, you know, upset Virginia that got into the final four a few years ago. Um, I, I, yeah, I like that comparison a lot, actually. That's, that's very good, actually. Um, and obviously you, the Virginia fans know this story very well. I won't harp on it because they hate it, but they have a national championship, so it can't, it can't really be that bad. But yeah, their their press zone, their two three zone defense, of course, is lethal. But then with their pre- full court press in the final minutes of the game to make that comeback, I mean, it's gonna be Syracuse. They're gonna be the same. They still have Jim Beheim. So not much has changed in the last 
several decades for the Syracuse Orange. Um, number five, like I mentioned, is Louisville. We both had them five. Um, they bring in a pair of transfers as guards in their backcourt in Charles Mineland and Carly Jones, who are going to be, I mean, I think they're going to be one of the better players in the conference, um, especially Carly Jones. I was talking about it on the ACC media call, how, you know, he's going to be a ball handler that could really relieve the um, responsibilities in terms of ball handling with David Johnson and David Johnson could play off ball. And that is where he could really thrive and become a superstar player. A lot of people like David Johnson as an underrated kind of sleeper piece where he's not known nationally, but he's kind of adored in the ACC. And I think that's pretty perfect for David Johnson. Um, but like I said, the injuries, Charles Mineland is hurt. Um, and Samuel Williamson. So that kind of, that kind of concerns me a little bit. Um, so there's that. And then, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure who else is going to step up and, you know, they, they have, they have um, some freshmen. They have plenty of size. I'm not sure how much playing time they get. They might get some premature playing time, but you can never really bet against this Chris Mack Louisville team. I think it, once they get healthy, they could be that solid fifth team of the conference, but our top four, I definitely think they're a step below. Yep. I agree. Uh, my favorite thing. I do love Chris Mack. I love how balanced his team's been last year. This team was probably the most honestly balanced team in the country. I mean, they were top 30 in both offense and defense efficiency. So you know, if they can continue that balance as a team that again could make a sweet 16 run, uh, it's always fun when we can in the ACC when we can say our our fifth our preseason fifth in their conference is you know a um, potential Sweet 16 team. But yeah, this is a this is a Louisville team that you know it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, this is a starting five that isn't going to be I don't think overly lethal, but I think it's going to be very very balanced. And it's going to I think they're very similar to and you know, we talked about for NC State for football, kind of like how they are in a sense of they can win they can win the shootout but they also can win a kind of more low scoring game. Maybe when they're playing Virginia, you know, I think they could win a game 55 to 52, but they also could then go out and be in a run and gun game with like a UNC or a Duke and, and win 84 to 80. So this is a team that, you know, I think with Louisville, their bounce is going to kind of show here and, and could be the reason they could potentially, you know, I mean, it's, it's amazing that we can say the fifth, the preseason top five teams all could honestly win the division or win the division, excuse me, win the conference. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm going to disagree slightly. I think, Louisville because of their injuries and I, I actually made a mistake it's not Samuel Williamson it's Malik Williams that's the other piece that's out in addition to Charles Mineland so um slight mistake on my part but I think more there's this one through four and I think the one is a pretty significant tier above but the two through four is pretty interchangeable and I'll start with our four both of us had this team at four and that is North Carolina North Carolina they were abysmal last year. Um, I mean, they, a lot of the pieces, pretty much all of their pieces that will be impactful this year were, were not what's going to, what um, transpired last year with their starting lineup. Obviously they had a ton of injuries. Obviously they had like three or four buzzer beater losses in a row, but I think they bring in a really good true freshman class. 
Um, of course, you know, Armando Baycott and uh, more notably Garrison Brooks are a phenomenal interior duo. They bring in that freshman class with Caleb Love and Aaron Sharp. I mean, they have very much a talented team. I think they have a high ceiling. I just am afraid to pick them. And I think you're on the same page as me based on you having them for, I'm afraid to go further with them because of how bad they were last year. And um, I mean, before I turn this over to you, I also want to mention leaky black. I mean, one of my favorite names, he is going to be um, the X factor on this team. He's probably going to start. Hopefully he could keep his role because there are, plenty of true freshmen, but um, I mean, he's that wing forward that could be, you know, a really underrated piece and he's not going to be nationally known. He's probably going to be like that one name in the starting lineup that doesn't have that media presence, but I'm a big fan of his. And um, yeah, that, that's going to be North Carolina this year. They, I don't see them falling close to the point that they were last year, but I'm just afraid to pick them in the top three simply because they were, I mean, tied for last place in the conference last year. Yeah. I think you hit the nail on the head with that one. And my, my biggest concern is too, especially, I mean, obviously Cole Anthony was hurt for a good part of the season, but I mean, the best player for UNC from last season has gone. And obviously they were one of the worst teams in the conference. However, after watching that HC tournament game against Virginia tech, where they were just, I mean, the better team by far. I did enjoy, you know, that's kind of like, it was like a, maybe, maybe like the Belk Bowl for Virginia against South Carolina a few years ago in football. You know, it was like that kind of game to kind of look at and go, you know what, maybe the season didn't go as expected, obviously for, you know, for UNC, that was not how anyone expected the season to go, but we can build off of that. And I think that could have been something too, to kind of look at. You mentioned Leaky Blacks and I, I love the name. He kind of reminds me of Coffee Black. You know, I don't know if you've seen the, you know, semi-pro, the Flint Tropics, but kind of reminds me of he should be like the character <laughs> in that movie. But this is a team, I mean, it's Roy Williams. There's no way Roy Williams has back-to-back losing seasons. There's just no way he does it. It felt wrong putting them at four for two reasons. One, I honestly wanted to keep them lower because, I, I, again, being a football guy, I always think when you lose your best player and you had a bad year last year, you can kind of expect to not improve drastically. But on the flip side, you know, it's – Troy Williams, you know, you kind of want to lean him top three every year because he has the ability to recruit so well. I mean, the kids he's got coming in, you mentioned them. You know, this is a team that easily could, you know, be in that top, you know, two, three, four range in the conference. But and just maybe we're just punishing them too much from last season. But four just felt like the, the best kind of middle ground for that. Yeah, the only thing is the top three that we have and number three, that being Florida State, they all have very similar teams to last year. And I mean, last year they were in the top four of the conference. So uh, uh, number three, we both had Florida state. Like I just said, Um, obviously, you know, Florida state has that premier freshman incoming forward in Scotty Barnes. And he is phenomenal. Um, I mean, people have him as potential. Actually, no, I'll, I don't have him as my freshman of the year, honestly, but we'll get to that later. But what I will say is this team will be a normal Florida State team. They're back to that size. Um, I mean, MJ Walker, Malik Osborne, very underrated pieces. Anthony Polite, kind of the guys that have 
stepped in the shadows will be more prominent pieces, but now they have plenty of talent to replace the back end as well. So it'll be a regular Leonard Hamilton team where, you know, they're rotating a bunch of players. I don't think they've had the guy like Scotty Barnes in a while. So obviously they had two lottery picks, but I think Scotty Barnes is better than both of those guys. And that's saying a lot. So, I mean, that's my feelings on Florida state. They're very, they're very talented. Um, I think they could potentially be at that number two spot. I think they could drop to that number four. Like I said, two and two through four is kind of interchangeable, but I mean, what are your thoughts on um, Florida state for this season? You said it really, really well. I do think that, you know, Scotty Barnes, by far the best team on the, you know, honestly could be um, all ACC or the freshman of the year, I should say, in the ACC. Um, I do like MJ Walker returning as well. I think my biggest thing is I genuinely believe that Leonard Hamilton always gets the best out of what he has in his lineup. He knows how to put pieces together. Uh, he knows how to get guys to click. And he knows how to, you know, he he – demands the most out of his players and he gets the most out of his players. And that's where I think this kind of lies too is, you know, not saying that Roy Williams can't do that because he definitely can, but I do think when it comes down to it, you know, this Florida state team can just do so much because of its ability and with Leonard Hamilton to really, they have, you you said they have, they have a very similar team to last year. And that was obviously the ACC champion in the regular season. And obviously ended up becoming crowned the tournament champions and what was still the weirdest sports moment of my life being in the Greensboro Coliseum when everything shut down when Clemson and them were warming up. But, you know, this is a team that with Leonard Hamilton, he's going to get the most out of these guys. So this is a team that, again, I I do think it's just because of what we know from last year. And again, my, my letting COVID affect my opinion so much. I do think that the Florida state team is third. And honestly, I almost leaned them second if it weren't for the fact that I've just learned not to bet against coach K ever. (laughs) Yeah. I think Duke is, I mean, the obviously there's the preseason AP poll and they actually had North Carolina above Florida State. So they had Duke. I don't remember the exact numbers and you could you could maybe help me out if you have this in front of you. I know Duke was in like the bottom at like seven through 10 range. North Carolina was like 13 through 17. And then there is Florida State who was around 20. Um, and I, I would, I think that's honestly perfect. I would swap Florida State, North Carolina. That's the only change I'd make. So, yeah, we'll get to Duke. They were our second preseason um, – our both of our second teams in our preseason ACC power rankings. They bring in Jalen Johnson, the true freshman. I mean, he's, he's great. Um, super talented guy, I think. I mean, the, the thing is, aside from Jalen Johnson, actually, and about this Duke team, is they're going to rely on returners a little bit more than they have in the past. I mean, I think – their next two most significant pieces on this team are they're both returning sophomores. And that is Matthew hurt, who I am very high on. I think he's, I mean, it's hard to be underrated at Duke, but I think he's pretty underrated. And then there's Wendell Moore, the shooting guard. So um, they also, of course, Jordan Goldwire, he'll probably get a starting spot in the starting lineup. I mean, probably the most impactful senior on Duke. I mean, probably more impactful I'd say than Grayson Allen I think Grayson Allen had one of those interesting careers where you know he was his peak was when he was younger and then he kind of faded off a little bit and I think Jordan Goldwire will be you know a bigger piece than he has been in the rest of his career so you know this Duke team 
obviously they have a phenomenal true freshman class might not compare to the true freshman classes that they've had in the past few years, but um, they do have plenty of returning talent and, you know, Duke is never going to be bad. So um, I think having them around 10 in the country is perfectly appropriate. Yeah, I agree. And, and you're right. They have Duke at nine, which off the pot, I'm going to have to ask you some questions looking at this AP poll. I'm still, I still don't understand how Iowa was a top five team in basketball this year, but I'll, we'll talk about that obviously off the pot, but yeah, this is a Duke team. I mean, honestly, Duke could, you could throw out names for me. And if they're, if they're all playing at Duke and expected to start, I'm just going to say Duke's top 10 team. I mean, coach K just reloads every single year. So I'm not really going to spend too much time talking about Duke just because I mean, I think it's just they're clearly the second best team in the ACC here. Um, again, and Coach K, again, finds the best, I mean, the best recruits in the country every year come to Duke for a reason. So this is a team that, you know, is going to be a threat. And I can't wait for Virginia and Duke in basketball again this year because it's always a great one. Duke, North Carolina and Duke, Florida State and Duke, Louisville. So, you know, whenever every game that Duke plays, you want to dial into, you know, it's always a good one. The last um, Duke basketball game I attended, they got upset by Wake Forest. Remember Storm in the court? So maybe I should I should punish Duke for that. But we all know that was just a, a fun moment. Duke Duke did find itself getting upset a lot last year, which was kind of interesting to me. And by a lot, I mean more than it's often one per year. They had, I think, three games where they were upset and games I really I don't think anyone was really expecting them to lose. That Wake Forest one probably being the biggest. But this is a team that, again, you, you, you hit the nail on the head just – second best team in the ACC and obviously that clearly leaves our number one um, our reigning national champions which feels weird to say because that was two years ago now but um, obviously the Virginia Cavaliers yeah and you talk about with Duke and their presence and Coach K and all of that and there's not gonna be fans this year so it's gonna be interesting obviously the ACC I mean this makes sense they have a lot of electric atmospheres and they have one of the conferences leading in the NCAA in terms of home team winning percentage. And Duke is especially, I mean, what you're going to think of first, the Cameron crazies, when you're inbounding the ball, the student section waving their arms out, practically touching you. I mean, you can't tell me that's not intimidating, even though these, these athletes are extremely, um, I mean, in sync, but you can't tell me that that doesn't intimidate them and that won't be a factor this year. So that's definitely something to keep an eye on how much home field advantage matters or home court advantage, I should say. But yeah, let's talk about Virginia. I think they're the only team in this conference that is a a true national championship contender um, rather than just a dark horse. Last year, they probably had one of their least talented teams in the last seven to nine years of the Tony Bennett era. And they went 23 and seven. So that says a lot. Um, I mean, they have a very well-balanced team. Their point guard, Kihei Clark. Um, their transfer, Sam Hauser from Marquette, who is now eligible to play. at uh, Small forward, power forward. Not sure what role he'll play exactly, but he'll be on the court. He is going to be huge in terms of be- being able to create shots, hit open shots. Um, he'll fit right into that pack line defense. Obviously, Jay Hoff, who is seven foot one and a freak athlete. So, what more could you say about him? I think he's probably the 
he's probably a bigger NBA prospect than Sam Hauser, in my opinion. So they have a lot of pieces. Um, the one thing and the difference between this, this team and the national championship team, I mean, uh, the positive is that they're much deeper, but the negative is they don't have um, pros on their roster. And that's what they were saying on that media call, how, you know, Ty Jerome, Kyle Guy, DeAndre Hunter, they've been playing each other with each other for multiple years. And this team, I mean, I don't – Kihei Clark and Sam Hauser are phenomenal college players. I'm not sure if they are pro kind of guys. Definitely not Kihei Clark. He's just simply too small. I'm not sure about Sam Hauser. But that, that's my only concern with Virginia. Um, also, I worry about that shooting guard position. Reese Beekman, the true freshman, he could be a guy that, you know, steps in and could play off ball. Um, but aside from that, I mean, they're, they're going to need to get more consistent production, perhaps from Thomas Wold, Tensai for them to be, you know, a truly well-rounded team. And that's why I, I think teams like, um, Baylor, who I think is, might be the best team in the country and Gonzaga, who is, you know, they lost a lot, but they lost a lot two years ago as well. And they, they become a program that just consistently reloads. I think those two teams are better than Virginia. I actually do think Virginia is better than Villanova, but definitely regardless, they are among the top teams in the country and a national championship contender. Yeah. I mean, we saw it down the stretch of the Virginia there. Obviously, they started the season very poorly, and then they've kind of turned it on at the end of the year there. And I think they – I genuinely think they would have won the ACC tournament last year, Dan, if it got played all the way through. This was a team that just seemed to be clicking on all cylinders. And I don't know – I don't think they would have won the national title, but I could have seen a, another Elite Eight, maybe maybe Final Four at its peak um, run from this team last year because they – the, their defense last year was phenomenal, like it always is with Tony Bennett's pack line defense. And then, obviously, they started to get some offensive production. You know, Sam Hauser is going to obviously be a huge piece in that. Um, I, I One thing I, that makes me very high on Virginia, and the reason why I actually went with them is that obviously the best team in the ACC preseason, is also the fact when you look at these, again, the, the thought of COVID playing a role in these teams, I think because of Virginia's system, it's a system. It's not really like you mentioned. They really don't have a pro guy. This isn't Miami where it's one guy and then everyone else, you know, kind of, you know, helps them out. But they're not, you know, if, he, if the one guy goes down, then this team takes a huge step down. Virginia, yes, we'll take some heat, obviously, if, you know, Jay Huff is out or Casey Morsell is out or Sam Hauser is out. But it's a team that's built on principles and built on, you know, a fundamental style of game that from top to bottom, you know, one through ten, they all know the system. They all know they – they all can step up and play in that system. Offense will be the concern there, but I think defensively this is a team that, you know, has enough depth to where if something happens with the COVID issue where one or two guys are out, they could they could be – they would be fine in, in many in many matchups. Yeah. You brought up Casey Morsell. I forgot about him. Um, you know, great high school prospect, terrible shooter last year, but he – I mean, if he is what he was supposed to be at a high school, this team is completely well-rounded and could be the best team in the country. Um, but that being said, I mean, let's move on to our uh, accolades. We'll start with our first team, all ACC, and then we each had a couple of honorable mentions, kind of guys that we considered, but 
couldn't make the cut because there's only five players. I mean, for whatever reason, in the actual media, there's six. But I guess on this podcast, we're not an everybody-gets-a-trophy type um, atmosphere. So we're just going to go with five. Like, there are five players in the court. I mean, I think that makes more sense. Yeah, so I'll start. Um, my first team point guard is Chris Likes. I think he's what makes this Miami team thrive. He is great. Um, and obviously, we talked about him. Michael DeVoe from Georgia Tech, great scorer. Sam Hauser from Virginia, um, key transfer, probably the most impactful newcomer of any team in the country. Garrison Brooks from North Carolina. I mean, no argument there. Everybody thinks he is the preseason ACC in terms of the media player of the year. And then DJ Funderburk for NC State makes that final spot on my first team. Um, I think he's phenomenal, very well-rounded player. Honorable mentions, Kihei Clark. Um, I mean, I think aside from what he produces on the defensive end, his shot is consistently improving. So he will definitely be one of the better players in this conference. And perhaps, I mean, definitely the second best point guard. There's David Johnson, who, like we said, the transfers coming into Louisville will give him a little bit more off-ball responsibilities, and that will cause him to potentially be a superstar. Scotty Barnes, I, I said this when we were talking about Florida State, um, one of the most talented players in the conference, but based on the way Florida State rotates their guys, might not put up the volume of points. Kind of the same reasoning with Kihei Clark. And then Stefan Mitchell, actually, from Boston College is another honorable mention for me. So I guess that kind of is four out of five of my – Second team all ACC, if you kind of want to consider it that way. But um, do you have yours pulled up? You want to give me your first team all ACC and a couple guys you were considering as well? Yeah, absolutely. So we'll, uh, I guess we'll work, you know, top to bottom in terms of just our overall projections here. Chris likes, I already hinted to it. He would be a first team all ACC selection. I mean, he is Miami's production this year. Um, I also had uh, MJ Walker from Florida State. I think he's going to play a huge role. Or she's not MJ Walker. Excuse me. Excuse me. Scotty Barnes. He's going to play a huge role in, in really making this Florida State team, you know, that top three team in the conference. Um, Sam Hauser from Virginia as well. I mean, he's he was one of the higher guys when it came to just preseason all ACC expectations and ACC player of the year. So definitely looking there. Garrison Brooks from North Carolina, the you know, media's favorite for ACC player of the year preseason. And then Jalen Johnson for Duke. Um, I did have Amir Sims right on the cusp there. Um, he would obviously make a, a second team spot in that sense. Same with Jose Alvarado, Kihei Clark, and uh, MJ Walker from Florida State. So I kind of had four guys on the cusp there. I even talked about maybe, you know, getting crazy with a David Johnson um, from Louisville. But that's kind of where my head's at for first and second team. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go to freshman of the year next because – I just realized I have a guy in my honorable mentions in Scotty Barnes, and I, um, I didn't have him actually as my freshman of the year. I instead have Jalen Johnson from Duke, who I didn't have in my honorable mentions. So I guess that kind of contradicts itself. So add Jalen Johnson to my honorable mentions. That makes five honorable mentions. I guess that's a full second team all ACC, but um, I talked about this and I won't, um, get too repetitive, but I think Jalen Johnson will get, you know, he's not as talented as Scotty Barnes. They're both insanely talented. The reason I like Jalen Johnson 
better is because stat wise, he will produce more the way Duke system operates and um, Scotty Barnes will, you know, he'll have to rotate more with like nine other players like Florida state usually does. But what were you thinking for your freshman of the year? Yeah, I'm with Scotty, Scotty Barnes from Florida state. Uh, Jalen Johnson was a very good option there as well. Um, I had a sleeper. I don't know. This might be crazy, but Reese Beekman from Virginia was kind of a sleeper for me. Um, just because of how they fit in the system, but he, he'll never really get an opportunity unless he, you know, really showed out defensively or you know, really has some offensive numbers uh, at Virginia to really get him to what would be required to win that award. But I do think he's a, a very talented freshman as well. But yeah, Scotty Barnes is my preseason ACC freshman of the year. Yeah, Reese Beeskin could be critical because he'll be a second ball handler for Virginia that they didn't have last year. Um, so speaking of Virginia, my player of the year is actually Sam Hauser over Garrison Brooks. Um, I think, I mean, you could bring up the argument. He's the best player on the best team. So that, that kind of logically means he should probably be player of the year. I also think that he is the X factor that makes from Virginia from good, like last year to elite this year. And um, I mean, he is just in, incredible like I said he'll fit into the pack line very well he, he he could you know create plays he's a very good shooter he shot well over 40 percent from behind the arc which is something Virginia has not seen from a I mean well they had DeAndre Hunter I'm pretty sure he shot above 40 percent from behind the arc but you know like again that, that was their championship team so he's going to be the I guess Virginia resurgence, the reason they, they resurge from a, um, I guess, a one-year retool where they were still a top team in the conference. Yeah. I'm starting to wonder if we're uh, even liable sources anymore, Dan, because we disagreed with the media. Uh, my ACC preseason player of the year, it's actually Chris Likes from Miami. Um, we talked about this pre-pod a little bit, Dan, and, and this is really why I have Chris Likes winning this award. I think Garrison Brooks – you know, player-wise might be, you know, because he'll be on a, a probably a better team <laughs> than Chris Likes is. But Chris Likes is Miami. I mean, that's my that's why I had Miami so low in the preseason rankings. I'm just concerned about COVID-related issues. Something happens where Chris Likes has to be out of the lineup for a couple of weeks. Maybe that's a big – maybe I shouldn't assume that and just assume a perfect world should have had Miami a little bit higher. But if Chris Likes is not in Miami, Miami is not even in a thought for an NCAA tournament spot. They are near the bottom, 13, maybe 12 at its highest in the ACC this season. So I think that he, if Miami's going to have a good year, it's going to be because Chris Likes is falling out. And so with that being said, I think when you think about player of the year, it needs to be the most important player on someone's team. And in Miami's case, it's clearly Chris Likes. Yeah, I, I really like that pick. I mean, I if I were to give a second choice, I think it's definitely Garrison Brooks, but if you interpret this as like the most valuable player to their team, I mean, Chris likes it's a very good argument. Um, coach of the year. And all right. Oh, I'll be real. It'll probably end up being like Tony Bennett or Leonard Hamilton. And, you know, it's, it's one of those guys every year. And if it's not, it's Roy Williams or coach K, but I'm going to go with a super dark horse pick. I'm not going to go with this as my official pick, but I'm just want to discuss this a little bit. And I want to go with Jeff Capel from Pitt. Um, I think he, if he's able to get his team to a tournament level, which is definitely possible, he has the pieces. And if he could just put it together, 
that could definitely be the case. I mean, he's definitely going to be – he would definitely make Pitt the most improved team. And I think – I mean, I really like him as a coach. And think about where he came from or where Pitt came from when he came into the program. Um, they did not win a conference game. They were awful. I mean, they were an embarrassment to the conference. And, you know, if he's able to rebuild them, and I think Pitt has the greatest chances of of those um, teams in the bottom to be a tournament team, then I definitely like Jeff Capel as a pick for coach of the year. And he's definitely my dark horse pick. And Like the preseason pick is definitely like, it's most safe to say Bennett or Leonard Hamilton. But I mean, in actuality, it's probably going to end up being somebody who really performs above expectations, which could be Jeff Capel. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I, I like that pick. Um, if I had a, if I was a betting guy, I would put it on Roy Williams. Cause let's be honest, if North Carolina improves and finishes in the top four, top three, like we have them doing, and that technically is a 10 spot jump for the Tar Heels. So it almost just makes it a de facto Roy. Like, well, I think almost like Roy Williams team stunk last year. So he could win coach of the year this year. Obviously that's not the case, but that's kind of the joke here. But on the flip side, I'm actually going with another dark horse. I'm going with Josh Pastner from Georgia Tech. I really like what he can do. I think he's a great hire. Georgia Tech really hit the nail on the head there. I think Josh Pastner is going to have this Georgia Tech team in the NCAA tournament. And I think that's going to be enough. I mean, obviously last year they weren't tournament eligible, but they weren't going to be a tournament team even if they were eligible. And I think that this team is – they're going to turn some heads. I, I genuinely think Georgia Tech will beat – two of our top four teams at some point this year, whether it be Florida state, North Carolina, Duke, or Virginia, I think they're going to catch two of them. Um, not, you know, not a lot, but I think, I think they're going to have a couple of, I wouldn't be shocked if Georgia Tech has a really bad loss where you know, Wake Forest or Boston college maybe catches them, but I don't know. I'm, I'm very, I feel very comfortable with Georgia tech. And I think that that team can take a huge step forward. So maybe call me a little crazy, but I'm, I'm going to lean Georgia tech here which it's kind of crazy because Georgia Tech, I looked at, if you looked at the CBS experts, Dan, for like what they projected order of finish, Georgia Tech was probably the most wishy-washy team on, on the board. We had people having them as low as 13. We had a spot for them a couple times at 11. But they also were then as high as six, actually, sorry, as high as five. Um, one expert, David Cobb for CBS, he actually has a basketball uh, podcast that I like to listen to. He had Georgia Tech finishing fifth in the ACC. So <laughs> I like that there's a high, like we, we talked about it, a high ceiling, low floor. Some people actually have a very, very high floor for that, or low floor, I guess you could say, um, for them. You know, they could be as far down as the 13th spot in the conference, but I'm, I'm leaning the high ceiling. So I'm going to go with Josh Pastner as my, as if I could vote right now, obviously, I don't think he's going to win it down the stretch because I think it's the Roy Williams Award as long as North Carolina doesn't, crap the bed again this year but that's kind of where my head's at yeah and then we also had most overrated and underrated teams I mean I could give you those here's the thing though I think that our rankings um for both of us are very similar to the um actual all AC or um the actual preseason ACC basketball poll um there's actually nothing in my personal rankings that were more than two off so, um, I mean, do you, do you have any teams that you think are significantly 
overrated or underrated? I mean, I'll read off the poll really quickly. It was Virginia, Duke, Florida State, North Carolina, Louisville, Syracuse, Miami, NC State, Georgia Tech, Clemson, Virginia Tech, Notre Dame, Pitt, Boston College, and Wake Forest. Do you think that there is anybody on that list that is glaringly like overrated or underrated to you? No, I, I think I guess where when I did like when I filled out my most overrated and underrated kind of with football, it was kind of the team that I have the highest or I have the lowest that I think honestly could end up a lot higher or a lot lower, you know, depending on, you know, where they're at. So like, for example, I have Virginia preseason number one, you do as well. And the media seems to be about it too. I could see Virginia finishing fifth <laughs> if things don't go right. Again, that's if the shooting does not improve, Sam Hauser has a rough start to the season, whatever it might be. But again, that, that, that's a worst case scenario. I don't think Virginia is overrated per se, but I could, I guess it's more of, I could see if, if, the worst happens to the best teams or if the best happened to the worst teams, that's kind of where my most overrated underrated kind of like with Louisville. I thought they were a very good team, not as bad in football, obviously at the level that they are, but you know, if the worst happened, they could be near the bottom. And obviously we've kind of seen that happen with football. So um, for the cards, so that was kind of like where my head was at. Like my most overrated was Virginia. Cause I could just see a lot of negative coming from Virginia per se, if things went poorly they could be kind of what they were last year, a team that was still a very good team, but, you know, had those stretches where, I mean, South Carolina beat them and they were struggling with just regular mid-majors on a regular basis. I mean, they weren't great. And then like on the flip side, my most underrated team was Wake Forest, where I think, you know, again, um, if the, if the best happened, Georgia Tech was kind of in that boat, same with Pitt. If things, you know, were to really, you know, click for them well this is a team that could finish maybe in the top 10 of the conference where obviously Wake Forest and are tied for 14th um, so aka also tied for last <laughs> um, in our poll so that's kind of where the most overrated underrated came from but I don't think there's any team that like clearly like you and I like you said we don't have anyone that's much higher or much lower than everybody else it's just if the worst and best happen in, in, for different teams this is kind of where I guess those teams could end up like who would fall the most if you're near the top and who could maybe rise the highest if you're at the bottom. All right. Yeah. I can get behind that. And I agree with your, your picks as well. I don't think Virginia's even floor is five, but um, I definitely could get behind that argument. And um, I mean, besides that, like, I, I think it'll be an exciting year in the ACC. We have one program currently, um, on suspend on suspension because of COVID and that is Syracuse, but they're scheduled to just start simply a week and a half later. So, um, I mean, I'm just hoping for, I mean, obviously there's going to be games rescheduled, but I'm hoping for obviously just a pretty smooth, um, season. And, um, I mean, whether it's in March, whether it's in May, whatever happens, hopefully there's an NCAA tournament. I highly, highly, highly doubt that it gets canceled two seasons in a row simply because of the revenue factor. But, um, I mean, I'm starting to get really excited for this basketball season. There's going to be a lot of intrigue in the ACC this year. It'll be better than last year, like I said in the very beginning of this podcast. And, um, yeah, that's how I'm feeling about the ACC this year. Yeah, I think we're in for a great one. Um, 
Can't wait for all the hiccups and headaches that's going to come with all of this. Obviously, basketball is going to be even harder than scheduling football, in my opinion, because if you have a, if you get COVID at the wrong time and you have two, three games scheduled in a week, good luck trying to reschedule all those. But I guess also with basketball, you get more time. You know, you can play Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, you know, pretty much any day of the week. But, yeah, this is going to be a fun one, Dan. It might be needed, you know, this weekend, especially this coming week. It's going to be needed because we had a very awful football weekend, and it's not much better, minus Friday. Um, obviously, we'll pre- be previewing those games uh, early next week, um, and obviously we'll we'll be doing kind of basketball recaps on a weekly basis as well. We won't necessarily start previewing them until we get, you know, a little bit more into just a basketball-focused kind of podcast right now. We're going to try to balance a little bit of everything. Because, again, we, we, we care about all sports here. I know Dan maybe doesn't care as much about lacrosse as I do. But, you know, I do love lacrosse. And Dan loves baseball. So we'll talk about that kind of stuff in the spring, too. I mean, this is a ACC podcast, not ACC football, not ACC basketball. But can't wait for to be able to have something to look forward to every night of the week, Dan. That's probably the thing I'm most excited about is, I mean, as much as I love my weeknight matching, that's actually kind of over and done with now. They're going back to the more Saturday traditional unfortunately with the Mac for the rest of the season. So Wednesday going to be college basketball focused. You know, we got Virginia and Maine. I know that's a, a game that I'm kind of looking forward to seeing. Cause I just want to see what Virginia looks like this year. Cause again, they're our preseason number one team. So AC basketball is back. Wish I was living in Fort Myers, Florida right now, Dan, cause not that I could get in, but I know the people that work the Fort Myers tip off. I actually worked with them when I was with my old job um, really closely and I may have been able to finesse my way into that Gonzaga, Kansas game this coming weekend. And that's going to be a fun one, obviously not an ACC game, but it's going to be a big one for just the grand scale of college basketball. And probably that it would be that opening kickoff kind of style for basketball. So definitely excited for that. But Dan, we get to have basketball and football going on at the same time. It's honestly a great time to be alive in 2020. Yeah, completely agree. Um, Obviously there's also, some good games on Friday night after the um, after the football game with North Carolina and Notre Dame. And there is um, – actually, uh, there is Louisville, Seton Hall. I'm pretty sure that Seton Hall's program is currently on um, suspension for COVID. But there's also Virginia, Florida. And then Wednesday night there is Boston College, Villanova. So some, some nice games – early on and um at a conference game will be critical so we got to dial in early yep absolutely so as always everyone please wear a mask be safe stay inside when you can don't stop living your life enjoy your life you only get one of them but remember stay safe try to protect your loved ones everyone obviously will be doing one more podcast before thanksgiving rolls around but safe travels and enjoy your thanksgiving with your family and friends we appreciate everyone listening and as always it means just a little bit less here and go acc